0: We'll
1: Well, hello everybody! Welcome again to a, uh, another Snap No Tab podcast. I'm Tony Cicchini, along with Martin Witkowski. Uh, Joe Cardinal may be on his way back to America. I don't know. I I heard on the internet, and you know, the internet is always true, that the French are they're holding Joe personally responsible for France's loss uh in the world cup and you know how they normally burn someone in effigy well i think they're actually burning joe uh so i don't know the truth you know i don't know what's up so have you heard anything about that martin
2: well all i know is that if they're gonna burn joe then he uses a lot of hair product to keep that beautiful hair going so he might be burning for a while we might not
1: see him for a couple weeks you know you you might be right on that point you know it's oh my goodness but well, I, I, I think he is coming back, or maybe he is on the ground already. I don't know. This is uh, we're filming this late tonight, um, but we've uh, we had a, I had a busy weekend, Martin, um, and Martin's going to start you know kind of talking because you know he was at yesterday's seminar and I had a seminar today, so Martin wants to talk about the the seminar from yesterday. So, what's
2: up, Martin? Well, you know, we we had a seminar um, yesterday and from my perspective, it was quite interesting uh, because we covered a few things that you're well known for. One of the things is toe holds, which, um, you know, is fundamentally a difficult technique to to master. There is some mechanics that you covered. Um, we went over the sto- step over a little bit, which to me is like a scary technique. It requires a lot of coordination. Like you said, I'm Polish. <laughs> I need everything five or six times explained to me. Otherwise I'll <laughs> screw it up. But what I actually thought was uh, really interesting for for those people that uh, have a wrestling background is uh, the kind of uh, submissions that you could acquire from a cradle position. So maybe you could recap a little bit on, on of what you, you did. Uh, because I thought it was, like, a great thing for people to enhance their arsenal with without, you know, having to recalibrate towards, you know, jujitsu entries or anything like that.
1: Yeah, because, you know, wrestlers are known for cradling more, you know, jujitsu guys pr- predominantly aren't. Uh, they don't just uh, – but we did the toeholds, first of all, because Jason Bender, who's a jiu-jitsu black belt instructor at his school, he wanted to go over the – toe holds because apparently some hotshot grappling guy uh got his leg broken with a toe hold uh which you know doesn't surprise me there, there's a lot to it before i know i'll get to the cradle but we'll start transitionally um the toe hold i still don't see people doing it with all the proper mechanics there's so much to it uh if you're seeing the guy's arms moving all over the place he's not doing it right you, the guy's arms shouldn't even be moving. It's, it's a body move. Okay. You, you, you use your whole body weight uh, against the guy's ankle. So we, we covered that. And from there, there was a wrestler at this seminar as we were transitioning from the toe hole to the step over, because it's a natural transition. If the opponent attempts to escape, if you didn't get the toe proper, Uh, He's a cradle guy. He likes to do cradles. So from the cradle, I showed, I think, uh, two or three different uh, moves yesterday because we couldn't go in depth in it because it was near the end of the seminar. Of course, the first one, and it's going to be hard to explain, but I had mentioned this once to Mark Schultz on the telephone, uh, Olympic gold medalist. I was trying to explain how from a cradle you can do what's called a short arm scissor, um, which which attacks the the knee. It, you 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 go in between the the calf and the shin, uh, the uh, hamstring. Now nowadays people are calling it by. They make up names because they try to make it like oh they invented it. It's a short arm scissor to the leg. Okay, when you put your arm in there, if you would use your leg to do it, it would be a short leg scissor to the leg. So that's one of the easiest ones to get because you're already there. You're you're cradling from the inside of the guy's knee anyhow. So. If you just turn your wrist, so both sides of your, your wrist, the blades are against, one is against the calf and the other would be against the uh, hamstring. But in tight, in very deep to that knee, because um, you want to try to separate that. That's where it's at. That's where the, the crushing pain is. Um, and that's one that I used to catch guys with all the time, wrestlers, because, you know, you got to do it quick because wrestlers good wrestlers know how to get out of a cradle um you know unless you got the guy tilted and pinned and and really stacked on his neck if you got him flat on his back he's got a good chance of getting out of the cradle so you got to make this happen and then from there i also showed this uh wrestler guy um very nice alexander is his name uh from indianapolis area i showed him uh, a couple of neck cranks, and uh I think I showed a choke, didn't I, Martin? You got to refresh my memory now That's right, yeah, so it's it's kind of like
2: a um, you know you're attacking basically a head the head from from the cradle, but you do stack the neck to the effect that it becomes a neck crank if you want it to be
1: yeah, and uh I'm trying to remember because I did a seminar today and I showed a couple of manipulations, and I don't want to get well, my well my memory being the way it is, I forget. But predominantly what you want to do is make sure that the opponent you're carrying, he's carrying your weight, you, you, or he's carrying his own weight. You want to really crush that neck and, and put a lot of pressure on there. Now, doctors and therapists are probably pulling their hair out because, well, that's a good reason that they're pulling their hair out because it's a bad position to be in. It's putting a lot of torque on the head. Um, and, as I always say, you want to get somebody in an unnatural position, okay? That's how you make yourself appear super strong, and they become very weak. So no matter if it's a leg, an arm, your neck, you want to put this guy in an unnatural position. So if he's natural, he's going to have strength. So you got to first and foremost break that down, which isn't hard. It's hard to explain over a podcast, but at a seminar, it's these are several years ago. I did a fundamental, the science of submissions, which I would not allow any filming because this is secret stuff. Nobody really knows the sciences of it, the leverage and how to get it. And it was a fascinating seminar for the folks that were there. I actually did it here at my house, um, and that's what we did yesterday. We showed how to get the proper leverage, where to put the fulcrum and then more than just that how to crush this person uh and it's a, it's a, it's an eye opening thing and naturally in in scholastic or amateur international wrestling for decades upon decades any kind of torture hold or injurious hold has been removed okay uh the days of of learning even a slight submission um those are long gone. You know they're they're trying to make wrestling really safe, and they've progressively uh, have, have they've done that. And other arts like judo, for example, you 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 don't you can't even neck crank. Okay, it's not in the rules. Um, and for some reason, jujitsu just really didn't take to it. Uh, maybe they're impl- implementing it now, but again, it's all about really putting that person at the most disadvantageous position to begin with, so they can't fight you off. Your thoughts, Martin? Well, I also thought that, and we
2: discussed this uh, during the seminar, but philosophically, right, the wrestler, like Alexander, was very comfortable in the cradle position. He wasn't burning a lot of calories holding a person there and making the person already be in an exposed, unnatural uh, position and and environment. So I thought it was a great addition to sort of uh, give... uh, people with that kind of background, some additional targets to work towards so that they can you know, extend that already comfortable position into something that's dangerous for the person below them, force
1: them to have to move and get out and make a mistake. Well, well put. And, and cradles are one of those natural phenomenons. They're there. They're, 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 it's, they're not the most difficult thing in the world to get. They can be difficult to get properly, but even if you're a non-wrestler, uh, getting into a cradle is something that you can learn relatively quickly. The key to, to a cradle, just like many holds or hold downs or, or holds, is use that as a means to an end. Hence how I showed him to transition into a short arm scissor to the leg or to a choke or to a neck crank uh, from there. This has to be your modus operandi no matter what. We were doing that today at today's seminar with the Krav guys, um, just showing them how, man, you can go from this move to that move if you open up your mind and not be married to that hold that you have. Just use it as a temporary thing. Um, today's seminar, one of the big things I want to bring up is I've done countless seminars through the years. And one of the bad things about some seminars is that they'll practice for five, you'll show them a move, they'll practice for five minutes, and then you move on. That's not good. And I'm going to tell you why. Today's thing in Downers Grove, or Glen Ellen, technically, was so wonderful because I just said, you're not learning a submission, okay? (laughs) Don't even think about it because you got to learn how to wrestle. you got to learn how to control, and we're going to drill. The first move I showed, I think we went for 35, 40 minutes maybe. And what was important about that is when these guys kept doing it over and over and over, you start to see mistakes or you start to see the the opponent move in a certain way. Now, there's another avenue that we can go down. And that was great because they didn't learn just one move. They ended up learning so many moves from that, from that 45 minutes or whatever it was that they were drilling because of of situations that they created that you know you can't just you don't have precognition you can't you know cover everything well when when they did a move in a certain way then i can say okay stop now this is how you do this or this is what you should have done and i really enjoyed today's seminar because i got to be me i got to show how you can improvise and how you can um See things that have never been shown on YouTube, have never been seen in an MMA match, or even an Abu Dhabi match, because this was personal. You know, this was like custom-designed moves based on how these gentlemen today, this morning, moved. Just like yesterday with the cradle guy. I never planned on showing a cradle, not at all. But he asked, uh, he liked it, and sure, let's go. I, he cradled somebody up, and I said, "Yep, Here, here's what you got to do." And I think that's really great. Uh, and I like to wing things anyway. I don't like to have something uh, too like you have an outline of what you want to do, but I don't have everything down to the you know nitty gritty because of this. So yeah, you know that from training with me at the at the gym throughout the years, how we would just start at one thing and then end up in a whole nother avenue based on the energy that we're getting from from you guys. Yeah, and
2: it's also extremely important to see this in person or you know, have um, somebody, especially you, Tony, uh, go over the very detailed mechanics because some of these moves w- don't work until they do work. And the difference is really subtle. Like when we talked about the cradle and the neck cranks, about the placement of which part of the head you have to attack or with the toehold, how we talked about how to twist and turn the body in order to get the correct torque on the on the toehold, so all these things are you know we can talk about them, but we can't do it justice like you got to show up to a seminar and see it and like, like Tony is saying, you get into this flow and you get very personalized adjustment to your technique and uh, I always thought it's the the first thing is to have a goal where you want to learn and the second thing is to see it and experience it so you understand how it works.
1: Well, yeah, and the, the, the custom, customization is the key because we all have different bodies. We all have different um, restrictions, okay? Because all of us have limits. Some, it's because of injury. Others, it's just because of anatomically, this is all that you can give. This is, this is all you can do. Uh, and thankfully, I'm able to see all that and kind of make those adjustments for each individual at the seminar. And now that we have seminars twice a month, you know, in Chicago, you know, the, the you can always make a seminar. You know, it's you either come to Chicago or go to Glen Ellen. Um, but it's really important that you do get these little finite details, okay? Because even when I make instructional videos, uh, you you know, it's it's for those of you who have never actually filmed an instructional video outside of a short maybe YouTube clip. But when when you you got so much going on in your mind, okay? And like when you're in a studio, you got time limits. You're with a bunch of people that don't know you, the cameramen and whatever. And, you know, it's it's you can't cover everything, right? And there's no interaction because whoever I'm using to demonstrate on is, is not going to, you know, this is not a free-for-all. So when you're at a seminar or, at a, at, you know, when I used to have my school where we're going live or we're drilling live, that's when I can say, okay, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. So, and this is, this holds true for anybody that films an instructional video. You can't cover everything. It's just, you can't. Um, so that's the beauty of in-person training, um, or even with my Tri-C program. When you're the student and you live in, let's say, Topeka, Kansas, and you're filming what I, whatever I ask you to film, you know, your lesson, and you're, you're filming it and I see it and you're going live, that's just that's the second best thing to being at a seminar because then I can say, all right, here's what you did. Here's what you missed. Here's where you need to go with this, blah, 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 blah. Just like yesterday when I was showing Jason and you guys the, the toehold and how when you can move in a certain way and I can place my leg and trap the jujitsu guy's leg so he can't try anything tricky like getting you in a scissor hold or turning you or something, you can negate that with just a simple move and that's just something that i never put on video before uh only because we weren't covering that specific topic against a black belt jujitsu guy like we did yesterday so um those things keep me interested you know in training uh in coaching and it's great because uh it just shows a different approach to things and and how we have answers for what's out there. Yeah, and uh, it
2: also helps to see it from different angles. Like you said, like if you just watch a tape, it's kind of a fixed perspective. And in the seminar, we've even used a dummy to go and like, look at it from a direction that wasn't immediately visible. And by the way, that dummy was nowhere near as
1: flexible as Javier was. yeah right but you know what yes so they had this one of these grappling dummies which i actually kind of liked until i used it for the last time and i'm like get rid of this junk it just wouldn't work but what that dummy so we're getting back to the cradle and the neck crank so how i had him kind of get that cradle and then release it like move shift and then put so much pressure so in essence people How can I, you can visualize this. You got your one arm underneath, the guy's on his back. So you got one arm underneath his neck, okay? Now you've got pressure, your overtop pressure on his chest, okay? His upper chest to keep that chest down. You got other pressure from lower lower part of your upper upper torso on his face, on his head, while you're cranking up on that neck, okay? So that's where you're trying to do a neck break. You're trying to break his neck. So his chest is sealed to the ground. His head is sealed to the ground. And that neck is bending. It's like an upside down U. And, you know, and you crank knowing, you know, you do it you, uh, with your a special grip. And you put so much pressure on that neck that it's very dangerous. Okay? And again, when they first tried to do it, they couldn't get it. They were either missing the pressure on the head or they're missing the pressure on the chest or, or both missing both. I think when I showed it on the grappling dummy, because I could go full blast. um, Then the light bulb went off. They got to see it, but still it's something that has to be felt like even today When I put the moves on the guys, oh, God damn it. Okay, so now when their training partner got on there and did it, the guy on the bottom could say, nope, Tony's pressure was here, Tony's this, that, you know, that really makes a difference.
2: Right. Yeah, so again, it helps to see it in in three dimensions. And I I know exactly what you're talking about with the neck, because the neck was... You, you weren't allowing the neck to be comfortably flat on the ground. It was raised in an uncomfortable position, and there was a lot of pressure on it. But it's hard to articulate that. It really helps to come and see it at a seminar.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, it, it is hard to articulate And, and again, even on a video, uh, it's, it's difficult. And you, you don't get the... I used to tell people, it's like, you know, you could see somebody kissing Angelina Jolie... But you really don't know what it's like to kiss her, right? You know how to do it. You can see you're doing it, but you don't really know what she kisses like until you kiss the lady. That's what my moves, my holds. You, you can see them, but you don't, you just don't know until they're put on you what you're dealing with here. And it's a game changer. It, it you know, it, it's, it's another level. Um, And, you know, to reminisce, when I started with Rod Vaughan, I was 13. I had seen pro wrestling, local, Chicago, uh, local Cleveland wrestling on television. We used to have weekly wrestling, championship wrestling or big-time wrestling, I think it was called. And then I went to a couple of the matches, or I don't know how many, like four or five at the Cleveland Arena. Um, so, you know, you saw some stuff. I mean, it was all fake. We all know that. And and you knew it was fake. You know, it just wasn't it wasn't impressive. So my first impressions with Stanley Ravon when he told me he was a wrestler, I only knew, his, knew him as a strong man. I'm like, God, ah, that's, that's junk, you know, until, I, until he did what he did to me, you know, until he grabbed me, you know, and put me in a stopper toe hole. It was the first thing he ever did, you know. And then when I started studying with him, the wrist locks and everything, it changed, it changed me because I'm like, my goodness, this is, you can't fathom the pain. Uh, and I've been with judo, judo guys through the years, jiu-jitsu guys, and, you know, they're like, it, 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 not, nothing they're doing is really painful. Then when I when I put my moves on them, they're like, Jesus Christ, and they're tapping before I even have it on. So, yeah, you really need to, I, I mean, seriously, for your own benefit, just come to a seminar and it'll, it'll change you. Believe me, it'll it'll change the way you think about things. Uh,
2: switching a little bit to, to boxing, um, you know, you mentioned last week that um the kind of fight that we were looking at uh had a guy do kind of a Tyson side-to-side mm-hmm. approach. And I looked at some of the other Tyson fights. Specifically, I looked at the um, Tyson versus Lewis fight. Yes. And I, I saw exactly what you were talking about because when Tyson did that approach, he would do the side to side and he would not come back to the center. He would actually circle under and go back up on the other side. So he would never present himself as a target for a straight puncher like Lewis really was. He was a very good straight puncher but he was mostly a straight puncher. Um, and what I wanted to ask you, Tony is, is that observation that you had just based on Tyson or is it also something that you saw in your training, you know, back in the day with the older generation of boxers? Is, is what Tyson was doing a completely modern invention or was there no. something that he was building on? Okay,
1: well, <clears throat> I, I watched the clip you sent me of the, the Lewis, uh, Lennox Lewis and, and, and Tyson fight. And I, let me get to, well, let me answer your first question. I never taught, I never was taught the peekaboo style that that's what Tyson does. But I was taught a lot of head movement, okay, because um, just my coaches, they they wanted to take care of me. They didn't want me to get hit. They knew that I was fast, um, and I was small. I was a skinny kid back then. We've talked about this in the past. I wasn't this big bruiser. So I probably was a soft puncher. But I could take a punch. I mean, that was the one thing. I could take a punch, which I thought was great, but they didn't think so because taking a punch means – you're you're gonna take a lot of abuse. So they worked on my so yes, I had head movement different but the same, okay, to Tyson. A different different way about going about it. Um, but like a lot of fighters have that head movement, some not a lot, not, not like Johnny Lira didn't do head movement, he didn't have a lot of head movement. Chuck Bodak was his main coach, and Chuck Bodak didn't believe in head movement because he felt that gassed you out. Well, I'd so disagree with that because you, you know, getting get in condition. And that brings me to the Tyson-Lennox Lewis thing. That wasn't Mike Tyson that fought Lennox Lewis, okay? The, the, I mean, he was soft. He wasn't in shape. Whenever he got rid of Kevin Rooney, that was the end of the Tyson that we all knew as, as probably the greatest heavyweight of all time at that point. So you mentioned that Tyson would circle and all of this when he would do his head movement, correct? Until he wasn't circling. Until his fitness or whatever, left him, and then Lennox Lewis was just teeing off on him, okay? Um, believe me, a 1986 Mike Tyson, Lennox wouldn't have done that to him, okay? Um, yeah. Fitness, yes. Fitness, fitness, fitness. And I can tell right away, because I know what Tyson used to look like. I saw. How soft he was. And I saw how his movement was fine. But later on in the fight, Tyson would be, you know, side to side and then stopping in the middle, not circling out, you know, for whatever reason. Only Mike knows. I mean, part of it's for sure is conditioning, but mm, something else was happening. Strategically, he wasn't the same, his ferocity wasn't the same. And Lennox Lewis, he kept his right hand down. You got to watch the clip again because you probably weren't paying it, looking for that. If you were focusing on Tyson, you missed this. Lewis always had his right hand down. That's terrible. That's just bad. But maybe Lewis knew something, okay? Because the old Mike Tyson would have left hooked him and that would have been it, okay? Um, but I just was astonished at, at how low Lennox Lewis. Kept his left hand in that video clip that you sent me, which was basically a montage of, you know. uh, So maybe Lewis knew at that point in the fight that Tyson wasn't that much of a threat. Okay. For those who've never boxed or who've never really competed like, you know, like boxing, wrestling, or MMA, you can feel your opponent out and and you get to know, you know, pretty quickly what what he's got in the tank uh if he's a threat or not um and and maybe that's exactly what lewis was thinking at that point in time i don't know i can't speak for the man um but i sure as hell know i wouldn't be keeping my right hand that low against mike tyson not a guy with that kind of a left hook so lewis knew something we didn't know okay or i didn't know um all the kudos here to lennox lewis so this is not a shot on lewis this is you know he he felt something or saw something or knew something um i just would never risk that i'm a guy that you know me i've always keep your head hands up keep that chin down you know protect yourself uh it was sad for me to see mike like that you know because he came out all fast and moving real quick and throwing punches and then man, it just started. Man, this Lennox was just teeing off. Now, Lennox is a lot taller than Tyson. He's got about six, seven inches on him. What is he? He's like six five or something. And Tyson's what five ten, five eleven? Yeah, um, that's right. Something like that. So uh, but so be it. There's ways around working on a big guy, okay? And generally, what you want to do is you want to get you want to get in, you want to get inside, you want to work that body, work that body, work that body, boom, and then the hook. Body hook head get him to drop his hands because if you stay out you're in that guy's power zone with that jab in his right hand um, that's bad okay the Tyson of all people with his bobbing and weaving and he him being low and stocky like a Joe Frazier type it, you know he could come in on you see so um, I, I I I don't remember the whole fight I saw it years ago but just from the clips it was kind of like a pro Lennox Lewis clip that you sent me showing Lewis, you know, teeing off on him, but, but you know how to get under. And, and you're right. When Tyson was doing that circling, uh, Lennox couldn't land a blow on him, but somewhere along the way, now let me talk about Johnny Lira a minute, because this kind of ties in. Johnny Lira, this fight I believe is on YouTube. Johnny Lira fought Howard Davis. Now, for those of you who don't know Howard tragically passed away at a young age, um, Johnny was a good friend of mine. You know, he used to come to my gym. We used to, we used to hang out all the time. And he used to live with my, my dear buddy Vince, who's on the Fundamentals of the Jab video. So Johnny didn't make the 76 Olympic team. Man, how could you? You got Howard Davis. You got friggin' Sugar Ray Leonard. I mean, come on. But uh, Johnny fought Howard as a pro, okay? And for the first two or three rounds, Johnny Lira was winning because uh, Howard Davis was flat-footed. Now, Howard Davis had blistering hand speed, faster than Sugar Ray Leonard, but Sugar Ray Leonard had better timing, perhaps. But after the second or third round, that's when Howard Davis started getting back on his bicycle, moving and blah, 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 and that was the end of Johnny Lara. I think the fight went nine rounds and got stopped. Um, But that's the point uh davis started slow and then sped up with all his head movement so on johnny couldn't get a good clear shot on him in the tyson lewis fight it 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 was kind of reverse tyson started off with a flash you know all that head movement giving him oblique angles so anything that would land pretty much wasn't effective but then that went away during the fight so um It's always harder to hit a moving target, okay? And I'm just going to give everybody, even you MMA guys that are watching or listening, a strong piece of advice. Movement is great. Just make sure you don't move into the blow, okay? (laughs) Always try to move away. Uh, Circle away from his power. But give oblique angles. That's the thing. So even if you accidentally move into a power shot, you're not getting hit Full blast with their power that's why you've got to get you loosey-goosey man keep moving up and down and it, think of like um think of like one of those joysticks not like a arcade joystick right that just goes four way or eight way but like a ball and socket like a ball bearing type of uh joystick that can go in 360 degrees okay any which way any little increment any little degree that's how you have to be. Okay. You can't be left, right, diagonal, this and that. That's too, those are too sharp of angles. You've got to be really loose and roundy, roundy kind of. You know, it's hard to explain. Got to almost see it. But this way, you're not taking any full impact. Okay. Um, it's easier said than done, believe me. But you've got to get this thought in your head and you got to start fighting like that so you don't get clobbered. Uh, and always look at what's look at know what's coming. Okay. Uh, any great fighter or boxer will tell you that it's the shots that you don't see most of the time that that are are the crushing blows, you know, And, and many times it's just a short little six inch punch. It's not always these roundhouses coming from a mile away. They're short and you don't see them, they sting you and you're done there's a lot of science behind this man um and people think that that, that you know like guys that want to learn all these different styles they want to learn how to throw punches from boxing but man punches to me are the least well not the least but there's so much more to boxing that you got to learn that that is so absolutely critical like the stuff we're talking about now the movements and the angles and the and the and how to generate momentum how to rock from your heel to the ball of your foot to get that per- to propel you um things that you can't pick up or things that coaches don't talk about because they don't even think or nobody cares to know you know um there's a lot martin right so tyson was only three
2: fights away from being retired when he fought lewis so that wasn't the best clip to to showcase tyson but i thought the technique or the idea the spirit was still there um you know from my experience of working the bag with you i know that when you yell at me to move it tires you out so if tyson was not physically prepared or able to keep it up anymore that would have pretty much spelled the end of him a couple of rounds into the fight maybe you know maybe he wasn't stopped that early but the the intentions weren't really matching the effort anymore
1: well i'm going to speak now i'm not going to speak for mike tyson but i'm going to pretend that i'm mike tyson in a way because This is something that needs to be addressed. Um, a fighter can lose the will, okay? You could just be discouraged. You can go in there full of piss and vinegar, and all of a sudden your few things that you're doing are being countered or they're ineffective, and you just start to lose that edge. This this, this can happen. This happens to me like it used to happen to me a lot when I was shoot pool, okay? If I'm just not... I'm just a little bit off, right? I'm just things just aren't right. And you've got to get your head in the game. Okay. Now, a boxing match, as long as you don't get not get knocked out, you got a little more time to, you know, like an MMA match, you'll have a little more time to regroup psychologically. In a pool match, you you just don't have that, you just don't have that luxury. Okay. If I miss, I may never get another shot. It's over, right? So you've got to Again, I don't know what was going through Tyson's mind, right? I mean, we should get him on the show. It would be great to have him on. Um, it would be nice to know, but I'm just saying this is another thing that could have happened because maybe his conditioning wasn't there, and he knew it, and he knew what he wanted to do. He knew what he had to do, but his, he, the, the body just it wasn't cooperating, okay? That shit happens. It happens to all of us. You just have good days and bad days. So who knows? But you're right, movement, getting back to Chuck Bodak, who trained Johnny Lira, yes, movement takes energy. And you've got to develop that energy. Your training has to be geared towards that. Um, you look at some of the lighter weight fighters back in the day, they they were they were a buzzsaw, they were whirlwinds. They they were almost like, you know, they never got tired. Uh it it, it you know, it's just the way you train. And 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 there's more to it than just what's happening in the gym. It's also your food that you eat and your lifestyle. Um, you know, it's a science. It really is. And that's why they call boxing the sweet science. There's so much to it. Um, but it was, for me, kind of sad to see Mike like that because, you know, I know and we all should know what he was capable of. Uh, you know shit happens well it was the tail end of the
2: career right like nobody goes on forever so at some point that will happen but i think that match in particular had a predetermined result i think you know um lennox lewis was collecting trophies at that point um but you know speaking of um you know punches that you don't see coming um one of the clips that i've sent you and we've probably discussed this in the past is a clip of a street fight that involves a former opponent of Tyson, more in Tyson's prime, a guy by the name of Julius Francis. And he's like a bodyguard at some kind of a yeah. mall or something like that in, in the UK. And um, the question I had, that there's a clip that's been on YouTube forever of this guy dropping some, some kind of a rab- rabble rouser, you know, some guy that was out of control. And I thought the interesting thing about it is that, first of all, he doesn't square off with the guy at all. It seems like he comes around behind him somehow. Well, he did. It was a sucker punch. Right, and it was a lead
1: left hook, and he immediately dropped the guy. Well, I thought it was a right hand. Okay. Uh, okay, maybe I, you know. It, you could be it, right. I thought it was a right
2: hand, but it could have been a hook. What I was focusing on was the fact that he really didn't approach him like he would approach an opponent. He just basically got around him and clipped the guy and got
1: him out of there. From well, there's pre- this, Go ahead. Well, there's this misconception that I just don't get with people that think that, Boxers can't street fight or boxers can't dirty fight or whatever, you know, however you want to do it. They they do. They know it. They're not stupid. All right. I mean, so, yeah, I saw that clip. Now we're 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 off on was it a left hand or a right hand. But that doesn't matter that the bad guy was walking away and he was coming in. And yeah, it was just boom. He just clobbered him. He why square off you know why do it if you don't have to so he dropped him i mean he dropped him like a bad habit man right there uh but he too also he had a big size advantage um the boxer but yeah it was it was it was was interesting right
2: yeah i thought it was uh interesting that he didn't really approach him like he was a a threat in a sense that, um, you know, he's got to square off. He's got to keep his hands up. He got a better situation by sucker punching him. He circled around. He got like a free shot and he only needed one.
1: Yeah. He only needed one. And, and he was smart. I mean, that's just the way to do it. You know, why telegraph in essence? Why, why come up with your Dukes up if you don't have to, because the bad guy was no threat to, to the boxer. Okay. At all. Matter of fact, he didn't even see the boxer, if I recall correctly. He had no idea. The boxer kind of almost, I don't want to say snuck up on him and give you the impression that he was tippy toeing, but he just walking up casual from what I remember. And then boom, nailed him. Um, yeah, it was, it was, that's the way so many street fights happen. And then you see clips on YouTube. Never, use, never punch in a street fight ever, blah, blah, blah. These are people you need to ignore. Anybody who says anything that ridiculous hasn't been, just doesn't have the, the experience to talk. There are times and places for everything, okay? And punching, I don't know, millions, probably hundreds of millions of people through, throughout history have thrown punches in anger and not had any damage, okay? Um, to their hands. So they'll focus on the few people that, oh, they broke their hand, this or that, but they made a they would have probably broken their hand or their fingers if they tried to slap the guy. Okay. Don't you don't know. <clears throat> but yeah, this was an interesting clip. I've seen other things like that through the years. Um even live even in person I've seen people go at it at a distance and just a guy just get clobbered just get dropped um one punch and you're out that's why unlike a submission that takes time a punch is instantaneous man within a second or whatever it could be all over and then you could fall and hit your head and you could die okay i don't know if anybody has ever died from a broken elbow okay but strikes um yeah don't ever underestimate a striker yeah especially in an
2: environment where there is hazards and and other things present. But the other thing that I was uh, sort of uh, wondering about is like, there was another clip that I sent which was like two guys fighting in a bathroom. And uh, again, the weapon of choice in that fight, at least the strike of choice, seemed to be like a short hook. Is that something that is more applicable to a street fight than a, a straight punch because it requires less room?
1: I don't know if it does or doesn't because it depends. I mean, I could throw a short four-inch jab um, that could set something. Are you talking about the one that they claimed it was an Oklahoma wrestler or a football? Yeah, player, that, I mean? that's right, right. But the, the fight did go down in a in a men's room, right? So
2: you is often that what it was these, okay. Yeah, you often hear about these guys that refer to like a boxing match like as if it happened inside a telephone booth, right? Yeah, this is kind of an abstract concept now because we don't even have telephone booths anymore. But that's what they talked
1: about when it was close quarters well first and and foremost i don't know if that was an actual rest uh football player and the the guy was an mma guy who knows right um so i don't i look at what what happened i seen one guy who was drunk uh i seen the wrestler the mma guy um get him up and get him down but i also saw the mma guy fail choking him out um the headline says that the football player Almost lost an eye. The guy never even came close to losing an eye. The, the MMA guy did not attempt to eye gouge or anything like that. If he did, I didn't see it. Um, but traditionally, you don't want to lead with a left hook. But in this situation, it, as it turns out, you know, the football player, let's just say he was a football player, you know, he, did, he didn't know how to fight. Um, then there was another guy involved, too, in that. It was like, yeah, four people. it was a mess. yeah right so it was hard for me to even follow along but um yeah it was a sloppy fight uh but what ended up happening was and i think this is even more important than that than the left hook thing was that the uh let's call him the mma guy because that's what the title claimed he was so i mean no offense if he was or wasn't he got on his back he was on his back with the with the football player on top of him and he he couldn't get the choke in for some reason or another football players reaching behind trying to hit him but the mma guy was trapped on the bottom i mean right he put himself there okay it all all worked out i mean we don't know what precipitated it we don't know what happened after the video clip stopped um but man this is not something that i want you know the for those of you who don't know what we're talking about so the mma guy was on his back the guy was was You know, he was like a rear choke situation, but they're both pinned up against a wall on the floor. Okay, this is not I don't like this. Okay, I don't want this. And that didn't need to be that way because the MMA guy got him down, like kind of slammed him. Correct.
2: Yeah, that's right. So this is part of what you always talk about, the ability to disentangle and disengage, which really wasn't there anymore. These guys were both trapped.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's, so it's a self-defeatist thing. And, yeah, the, it would have been great if you would have choked him out and rolled him off, but he didn't even sink the choke. Something happened. And, again, I, I couldn't see it too well. Um, and then the other guy was flying into the picture, and he got thrown around. Um, but, yeah, the, 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 these are things. When you're fighting in a bathroom or, a, you know, a, a confined quarters, um, Many times it's not even prudent to go to the ground, okay, Uh, because you just don't want to end up in a bad situation. Again, we don't know the scenario here, so let's detach from these guys, but we'll use them as the example. But I mean nothing personal because I don't know the whole situation. But I always go under the assumption that no matter where I'm at, bar, restaurant, whatever, I got to assume everybody in the place is against me, okay? Nobody's going to be on my side here. I have to always assume that. I do assume that. Therefore, I don't want, let's say I was the MMA guy, and I don't want the football players, other friends, other teammates, or whatever, rushing into the bathroom. Okay? I don't want that. Um,
2: And that could have happened because they weren't the only people in the bathroom. It wasn't a duel. Like, it's sort of, you got to ignore all the headlines and all the comments because they make it sound like it was a. A match it was not it was a fight there were other people around you don't know who's going to stump on somebody's
1: head right right and you know it's it's uh uh there's so much but there were young guys it's probably their first street fight you know they don't they don't they don't know and apparently no harm no foul i mean i think the the football player got a shiner um big deal uh but yeah the, the the for me, when you're in close quarters like that, you have got to make sure that nobody else comes there and puts the boots to you, okay, or, or pulls out a, a shiv. or you know anything can happen. Uh, so you want to be in control, and you want to make sure that you're able to get out um, you know at a moment's notice. Um, we were doing that today with the Crab guys. I would show them how to do bottoms up like we did on the tri- on the uh, snap note uh, lucky 13. So they can get up, even when they're in a position of control, side control, top, get up. When I say get up, get up, you know, because you just don't know when you have to get up. Uh, so there's a lot more to street fighting than, than just taking a pure sport thing, no matter what the sport is, boxing, wrestling, MMA. Everything has to get modified. The street is a whole different world, and it's just a um, totally different world.
2: Yeah, but you bring that up in your seminars a lot, like even when we were talking about holds and all the other things that involved entanglement and you had to have these limbs that were basically working against each other. That's kind of a scary world because even in a sporting context, context you might be on the bad end of that entanglement, right? Like if it's not a situation where you're clearly in control, you could end up
1: eating it. Absolutely. So I think I mentioned it to you yesterday uh, um, that it's to me, it's just not worth it unless you have complete control. And what, and that means you, you have control. You can't control an opponent until you can control yourself. You have to have full control over your body, 100 percent, and then work on controlling him. I don't want to give you 50, let's say 40% of my body control and I have 60% of yours. No, that's those odds. I don't like those odds. Okay. I want to have complete control over my body at all times. I don't want to be handicapped. Okay. So if I have 100% of my body in control, that means I have all of me to work on you. The minute you start controlling me, I can no longer give you 100% of me. If you, if that makes any sense, because now you're curtailing me. So I got to make sure that doesn't happen. I don't want to be in a position where I'm compromised. And especially if I did it to myself, you know, and that's what happens with some of these entanglements that you're talking about. Some guys try to go for this fancy, flashy bullshit move that might work once out of 10 times or whatever. Uh, Those are not good odds. Okay. Um, 9 out of 10 is not good ads. okay? 99 out of 100, okay, now, yeah, maybe, okay? Now we're talking, this is a better percentage here, but I don't ever want to end up hooking myself, tying myself up or putting myself in jeopardy. Um, No, I don't, you're not worth it. I'm going to get you, I have a big enough arsenal and you would too and anybody who would train um, with me would have the arsenal that okay, I may not get this toe hold, but no worries in in a, in a few seconds i 'll get the shin lock or i'll i 'll get a hip crank or i 'll get an arm bar or a choke hold or something there's there 's a lot to go after when you look right. at the whole body, the opponent 's whole body as a target as opposed to an individual limb um, man it 's almost like pick and choose what you want right, and
2: also uh, you know when you give one of your seminars, there's a lot of attention to detail. I remember at one point you were sort of highlighting um the way you can pin the head to the ground on a cradle. One way is better than the other and only because the person that your opponent is facing away and can't like bite on you. Which, you know, maybe not top 10 priorities, but it's another detail that you can definitely solve for.
1: Yeah, generally speaking, and again generally, you don't want the guy looking at you, okay? Um, because, yes, he can, he can bite you, but he cannot bite you when, he, when he's not looking at you and you don't have your hands anywhere near his mouth. And number two, psychologically, you're blinding him, okay? He can't see what's going on. Unless the guy's doped up or, you know, drunk out of his ass or really has a death wish, um, that's going to cause an adrenaline. That's going to cause fear. Nobody wants to know, I mean, you know, you don't want to get caught by surprise. You you want to see what's coming. When you can't tell what what your antagonist is going to do to you, it causes a panic. And that's what you want. You want to elevate this guy. You want to elevate his heart rate. You want to try to restrict his breathing as much as possible. So you're just going to gas this guy out, okay? No matter how fit he is, um, this is all going to work against him. See, so once again, you're controlling the situation. It's psychological, but it's also physiological. These are techniques and tactics that I don't think are being addressed. And this is absolutely important. I learned many, many, many years ago uh, when I was actually, I think I was 18. Um, with this police course, um, they talked, the one police officer uh, that was instructing us talked about a cop, a, 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 a perpetrator, separate incidents now, a perpetrator that got shot like 11 times and lived. And a cop that got shot once, but he panicked and he kept saying, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die. And he did. It was a survivable gunshot wound. But he psyched himself out. He was profusely ble- bleeding. He, couldn't, he was complete panic-stricken, right? And that had already, I had just gotten done with my training, you know, with the, all those years with Rod Van, who, who, who was all about this. And to hear it from an outside source, granted it was a policeman talking about guns, but it's the same principle. Um, you've got to learn to control yourself. you got to control your emotions in a fight. You can't let this shit happen to you. And yes, that will happen when you don't, you know, what like I told you yesterday, with the crank his neck in this direction. So he can't see you. You can pin him. You have access to things. Okay. Um, these are just little tidbits that you know a lot of people don't cover. Right. It's it's
2: disorienting too. Like uh, you know, even from a perspective of somebody that got taken down in like a wrestling match time and time again, that wears you down because you don't know what's hitting you. You keep getting up, you keep falling over. Uh, it, it adds up. It creates a sense of panic. And, you know, to your point, like paramedics always tell people to stay calm and settle down. And even if it's a grievous injury or whatever, there, there is definitely benefit to being able to have sort of like a, a calm mindset.
1: If you don't have that, things go wrong. Yeah, things can go south, you know, in a heartbeat. And I got a text from somebody that I trained in the past, boxing. Um, He asked me the other day, what's more important, aggression or defense? And I said, apples and oranges. You got to have them both, okay? Aggression is a catch-all phrase. And I responded, I believe, by by saying, if it's controlled aggression, that's fine. But just wild man aggression, uh, that's just not good. OK, because you're wide open psychologically, physically, you're probably going to blow up. You know, um, you, you can't you can't be that way. You can be aggressive. But you have to have control over, of your aggression. It's one of those intangibles. It's hard for me anymore to explain the difference. Um, but believe me, there is a difference. Uh, I've always been aggressive. Uh Rodvon, I mean, just because of my life, I knew that you know, my lifestyle in Cleveland growing up with the violence. I knew that you had to be aggressive. You can't be a Marvin milk toast. You don't have that much time in a street fight. It's over. It's over so goddamn quickly. Okay. You've got to act immediately with with all you got, but not like you know, uncontrolled. You know, you you've you've got to never lose your science okay learn you know all, never break your stance never break you know ne- never never do never break your fundamentals and you're going to you're going to come out as good as you possibly can okay and that's all you can ask for is that you did the best you could and you just got to hope that your coach or your training has made it so that the best that you can do is world class and until you get to that level um you know you're, you're 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 on thin ice okay because you could still do the best you could but it's like far short so for example you you never did any martial arts ever in your life you've had three lessons that's it and you got those tricks down perfectly right but it's just not enough right? you did your best but you don't you don't have enough tools so you you know you 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 got to know when you're ready to go you know when when you're at that level of okay I can handle myself and there's no, everybody's different. You know, there's no, okay, you'll, you'll know it in six months. There's people I've seen that, that have trained diligently, but with the wrong guys, they years go by and they still don't get it. I'm sure you've, well, you've seen it too. You've seen guys come through the gym in the past that, you know, had, you know, great guys, great training, but you know, I mean, they, they dedicated training, but the techniques just, they didn't have it. Right and there's also like a, a from some people
2: they don't want to emphasize the physical aspect of it, like you know conditioning and and physical aptitude and it it does help and it's actually to me it's the quickest way to see results is get stronger, get fitter, get you know thinner if you're overweight it's It really produces quick results um and speaking of that like uh, you know the the last clip that I sent you is is just some crazy fight in Turkey in Istanbul and it's a it's an Irish tourist that gets into trouble emptying out some refrigerator like a bunch of bottles fall out he gets attacked by locals there's chairs and and bats and god knows what else lots to unpack Um, I mean this is I think it happened like 2015 but it it made it onto um, Irish times because Ireland is such a small country that Like, if you clogged your toilet and you lived in Dublin, that would be on the local news. (laughs) Uh, But what did you think? Like, I I thought, like, some of what saved this guy from getting annihilated because he was outnumbered was the fact that he was
1: a big guy compared to his attackers. They they were speaking in Turkish, but they kept saying the only word I understood was boxer. They kept saying the word boxer. So he did clubber a guy. Yeah, well, so I'm mean, yeah, right. But he was just a big heavy set guy. Um, I think he got lucky because I don't know exactly what the weapons were, what they were made out of. I know they tried to hit him with a chair and all that, but <clears throat> there was a let's call it a a, a pole. I, I, I don't know what that material was, but he was trying to block it with his right his left hand, and he was getting clubbed in the forearm. Okay, better than the head, but what was that object did he end up getting a broken forearm who knows uh at that point when the adrenaline is flowing and i'm sure the big guy kind of went into shock um you don't feel it okay i remember when i got jumped by three guys with a baseball bat coming home from school and they were wailing on me my on my shins and everything i didn't feel anything until and it was over you know i mean i, I was able to defend myself because you 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 you'd be shocked what happens when your body goes into shock, right? So what I noticed was that he did not allow, again, to my memory, he did not allow anybody to gang up on him, right? Meaning jump him and get him to the ground or anything like that. <clears throat> he kept him kind of like at bay. And, yeah, he threw a punch. He, dro- he dropped that one guy. He dropped him so bad when that guy got up, he was like, oh, man, woozy and shit. Um, but then they cut cut away, and then he came back out, and then he ran away, the boxer. And then, you know, it was it was disjointed, the video, for me. I had a kind of hard time following it. But, yeah, it was a melee. Yeah, it was so impossible here's my... to unpack, right? Because at, at, at some point, he has some
2: guys helping him, but I'm not clear why. And then the, the whole, like, all the weapons that are being used against him seem to be very flimsy because they all shatter. Like he gets yeah. hit with a
1: chair, but the chair just flies apart. Well, the key takeaway from all of this is that there was no headshots to the guy, to the boxer. Let's call him a boxer. I don't think he was a boxer, but he didn't get clobbered in the head or the face that I can recall. So that could have been a game changer there. All right. Um, he was fat and I'm sure he was out of wind, um, but he did have some. I don't want I don't want to say if he had, but he put his hands up like. He might have either been a fan of boxing or maybe had some boxing training. By no means was he a high-level boxer. But he did keep his try to keep his hands up and his elbows in, um, and he was able to parry or deflect or block some of those uh, flimsy weapons attacks. But I think in a way he got lucky that those guys that were attacking him, uh, I believe it was a frenzy. I don't believe it. When I, you know, when he opened up that door and all those water bottles or whatever they were came out, then the one guy came outside, you know, loaded for bear. I don't think anybody else really wanted to make a big deal out of this. Okay. That's just my impression. But yeah, it 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 wasn't a coordinated attack, right? Like these were like random people. I just think it was a frenzy. The one guy started in and then everybody else was like, well, I guess we got to jump in too. And that happens in real life. I've seen it. You know, I've been involved in it. You know, where it starts one way and it ends up, you know, a melee. So I just think that the boxer guy was very lucky that these weren't like gangbangers or street thugs that were, you know, going after him. These, these, to me, were just probably either local citizens or business owners on the street. There, um, none of them looked athletic. None of them looked like they were real serious about this. Uh, I, I, you know, because I saw that one guy whack them a few times and then kind of back back away. I'm thinking, man, <clears throat> I, I don't I don't know if their hearts really in in <laughs> in this, you know, <laughs> which which for the boxer guys, probably a good thing. Um, but shit, people have sent me or I've seen clips, not necessarily sent me, but I've been over at somebody's house something they've. Su- there was some clip of some, they, they were claiming that they, the guy got killed, I don't know, some martial arts school, kung fu school or karate school. And some guy, obviously not not right in the head, came in there to like, let me show the instructor some moves. And at first, everything was cool. They just humored him, but then it escalated. And then there was one karate very good karate man who just sparred him and just wouldn't stop. I mean, hurt him to the point where they dragged him out the back door, I think. This was a big clip. This is years ago that I saw it, but people were saying that the mental the mentally unhinged guy got killed in this fight. And it, it could have been very well possible because they just slaughtered him. They they just the guy just beat him and beat him and beat him. Um You, this ridiculous well that's just sad to watch i i I try to find clips that
2: are um less uh morbid you know like this tour is getting into a fight it's kind of fun it looks like everybody's having some kind of interaction (laughs) it's a it's a sunny day throwing a chair throwing a club hit the big irish man actually i i think you know, he also got a little bit lucky that he landed a really good punch on the, the one guy and oh, got a did. bunch of respect from the other guys. Because like you
1: said, their hearts were not into it. And what am I going to eat a punch for what? I didn't even know he was Irish. I thought he was a Turk as well. You know, I didn't know. I didn't even know they were from Turkey. I didn't know where this video clip was from. Tony, I tell you, I have a very good friend of mine who is Irish and like everything
2: is national news in Ireland. They, the population there is smaller. And so every time there's somebody that's of Irish descent that does something and makes it to the national news. This was
1: on the Irish Times that I looked this clip up. Wow. Well, you know, I mean, yeah, I don't think, I mean, the boxer, nobody got hurt. So, you know, that's, I mean, I guess that's the main thing there. Nobody got hurt. Um, Outside of some bruises, probably, but yeah, you know, uh, shit can happen at any point in time. Okay, that's just the thing. It can erupt for 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 the simplest of reasons, or for no reason. Okay, and you know what's interesting is when you drive into Chicago, you know we have the the tollway. They have they have the the those uh, neon si- or those signs lit lit up. And they're advocating to be nice to other drivers, like just like uh, road rage, just ignore it kind of thing. I forgot the exact verbiage. You probably haven't seen it because you don't leave town. No, I've but... seen it. I, I think one of them says the road rage will get you killed. Yeah, right. Yeah, so they so they're they're trying to be preemptive out here because um, you know with Chicago, the way it is, you know you'll get shot. Um, you know i mean for sure it can ha- it, it's happened and um there's hills to die on there really are there there's times where hey listen it's worth losing my life um but not over a road rage or not over this guy would opening up the door and all these pop bottles fall out there's no reason to go to the hospital over that shit right or get killed so i think people have to start rationalizing when is it worth going all in and when is it not worth going all in, okay? Uh, I've mentioned this on previous podcasts or back in the old days when I used to put up a daily Facebook video of, like if you're dressed up in a tuxedo and you're on your way to a wedding or you're on your way to a funeral, you know, whatever it is, and somebody, you you get into it, you got to avoid that, okay? You you can't get into a street fight or you just got, Forget it. Yes, mister, whatever you want. You're right. I'm wrong. Get to the wedding or get to the funeral or get to where you, you know, there's just certain times where it is, you just, you can't, you can't, you got to walk away from it. Right. And I really true try to, I really truly try to advocate walking away as much as you can, but you've got to understand people. There are times when trying to walk away or being timid is going to escalate it. Okay. It really will escalate it because I'm telling you from experience Sometimes people work themselves, the bad guy, let's say, works themselves up, all right? And as he's working himself up, um, he's probably, again, maybe, um, am I doing the right thing or am I not? If you back down sometimes or show timidity, t- timidity and be timid, that'll just give that guy he's the hero now, he's going to beat the shit out of you or he's going to do whatever he wants to do. Whereas if you stand up to the guy, you know, firmly, without even beating him up, but firmly, that may be his excuse to back down, okay? And then he saves face. Um, You don't know, you see? So that's why I was always lucky that I was able to handle myself, no matter what ended up happening, I could take him out. I always knew that. A lot of people don't have that ability. So, you... It's just something that you've you gotta feel out okay you there's just not one straight answer you got you got to feel out the situation you got to make a guess an educated guess on a complete stranger here that you don't know but there's there's such a thing in psychology called cognitive dissonance, so you sometimes might use that meaning in essence throw not physically but uh, Figure of speech Throw something at the guy That he's simply not expecting Okay um, And that might just Startle him into Okay rationality again Alright you're right I'll let you go this time asshole Don't let me catch you again Fine sir and then leave Okay um, But ideally Martin This is all part of being prepared This is all mental preparation I knew a guy named Gino that lived in Chicago. I knew him when I lived in Chicago. He was Rocky Marciano's chauffeur slash bodyguard. Okay, now you would wonder why would Marciano need a bodyguard. Well, everybody has one. When you're a celebrity, sometimes you need one. So The Rock was already done with his boxing career, and Gino and and Rocky were at an establishment. I I think it was a restaurant, but it had a bar. And there was some drunk in the bar mouthing off to Rocky Marciano. I don't think you're so tough. You know, you're a boxer. I'm a street fighter. I could kick your ass. Gino told me that Rocky Marciano, the rock, looked at the guy and says, you know, you're right. I'm just a boxer, man. I don't street fight at all. I know my limits. Now, Rocky could have killed him, but Rock didn't want to do that. And with that, man, the guy, whoa, man, Rocky Marciano, man, you're the champ. You know, it, the whole mood changed, right? Sometimes you got to do that. But the beautiful thing is the rock could have handled it if the, if the, if the guy wanted to throw down, they would have been all over. So, you you know, it, it, it helps. Like I said, when, when you got that in the bank, you know, you know how to fight. Um, Words still, you know, just, this is just things that I'm just throwing out there because this is just part of the stuff that I've encountered or, or I've heard through the years. Uh, well, cer- certainly re- reshuffling the deck helps, right? Because
2: it gets knocks people out of the train of thought that's heading in one direction. I'm going to fight this guy. I'm going to stab him. I'm going to do
1: whatever. Right. Well, that was cognitive dissonance right there. What Rocky Marciano threw at the guy. So he, he, you know, oh wow, now what? Um, but again, it's easy for it's like us going. Like if you're a multimillionaire, you can go to any restaurant in the, in town and not worry about the bill. Okay, us guys, you know, we'd be sweating bullets there. Um, so when you, when, you, when you have that ability to fight, that's fine. But remember this, I don't care how tough you are or how tough you really are, okay? When there's certain weapons, when there's multiple assailants, man, you can forget all your, you know, you're not, yeah, you're not that tough anymore. You, you got you to gotta use more than just your hands and your feet to fight. You got to lo- use your mind. You've got to start thinking about scenarios. How can I get out of here? How can I escape? What can I do? Um, those are scenarios that, you know, hopefully you'll never have to encounter. But, you know, when you do, it, you've got to think quick on your feet. <clears throat> you just have to. So if you're struggling, I don't care if you're a black belt, I don't care what tournaments you've won. If you're struggling against your opponent in the gym or in the tournament, just know this that, that could be you on the street with somebody, okay, or some group of people. And now instead of losing the match, you may lose your life. That when you if you get that through your thick head, it'll you'll be a better person for it because then you'll realize the importance of really learning self-defense and, and learning, you know, how to deal with weapons and guns and knives and how to you know handle that um it's it's a completely different world it it truly is
2: right yeah the mental preparedness aspect of it has it's also like kind of tough to just learn you know what i mean like it's it's kind of through training over time it's something you can possibly absorb
1: mention the bar fight that just happened last week in chicago where three people got killed
2: yeah, that's right. That was on uh, Central Avenue. There was a, a, an incident where three people got killed because somebody got into an argument at a bar and it spilled outside, and that person went in a car, got a gun,
1: and shot people. Terrible. Yeah, and I used to, I used to hang out right down the street from there. I never was at this place because I think it's it, it new seemed place. like a, yeah, it seemed pretty new just by the decor. Yeah, but an old guy, well, a guy my age, a younger guy, and his wife or girlfriend, and he just, she's still on, one of them is on life support. The woman, he just walked up, just started, so this is the real world, and and I don't want people to finger point, oh, it's Chicago, this happens anywhere, okay, people have gotten shot, and this time it happened to be a bar, it it doesn't always have to be a bar, okay, Uh, but you just don't know, and in in, um, Illinois, concealed carry, you're not allowed to take a, a gun, even if you're concealed carry, you're not allowed to take a gun into a bar, okay, any place that serves over 50% or makes profit, 50% or more of their, of their proceeds are from alcohol. You can't take a gun in there, right? So I'm not getting into the gun debate, but the point here is the, the shooter didn't have a gun in the bar. He had it in his car, and he got to his car. And, you know, it's just it's, it's a terrible situation, but once again... You have to be prepared for this. Uh, you, you know, you just have to realize when, when this is escalating inside the bar, the argument or whatever, that I can lose my life here. And I've been harping on this for 30 years with you guys and everybody on the shows. I always assume that somebody's life is going to end. When I get into a fight, somebody's life is going to end. It could be mine or it could be his. So I'm going to take his life because I don't want to lose my life. Okay, so this is how you have to think. You know, like when I made this last video a year ago, uh, I talked about it on the video. I learned to fight to kill, not to tap somebody out or to win a trophy. This was to kill somebody. I wanted to know that I had the capability of killing any man in the world with my bare hands and nothing else. Because I knew that if I don't have that ability to do that, I'm, I'm living on borrowed time. And I didn't want to live on borrowed time. So uh, that's a shame what happened to these three people. But, you know, I, it, it actually happens more than you think. I mean, I remember as a kid in Cleveland, I was in seventh grade or eighth grade. It was a new school for me. And one of the students from Croatia, he was a Croatian kid. His father got shot to death in a bar. Okay. So we all had to go to the funeral because the, the, the father was buried out, out of st out of the church um, that i went to at the time for seventh and eighth grade a slovenian uh Croatian well it's a slovenian church but he got shot to death in a bar bob whitehead who was a pro wrestler and was considered one of the, the toughest guy on the east side of cleveland got shot to death in a bar okay uh my mom was a bartender i was there as a kid when the bar got robbed and my mom was there on shift change um so my mom was coming on a shift and the bartender the morning shift when the guys had the gun uh, they pointed it towards my mother and he made a move the first shift bartender and they they blew his brains out right there now people want to know why I'm fucked up and why, why I don't have use for sports because sport martial arts because I witnessed so much of this bullshit as a kid it, it, it'll never go away it's PTSD kind of shit it'll never go away so my point is And this was before I was young, young. I I wasn't even doing wrestling at the time. Um, The point is, things can happen anywhere, anytime, at any point in time, okay? Um, And you got to just be prepared for that. You got to know that at any point, I can lose my life here. It sucks, doesn't it?
2: Well, you know, I'm not as uh, down on sports as you are. I think sports are a great distraction, and, um, you know, it's – it's something to do. Otherwise
1: you're just counting down the days, right? Well, I mean, I get it. And I, and I admire the sportsmen. Don't get me wrong, but it seems like that's superseded real self-defense. Nobody's doing it. Right. 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 Yeah. That's there's a difference. And especially now that everything's harp, you know, amping up again in this country, it's not anywhere near as bad as it was in the seventies, believe me, but we don't want it to get like it was then in the seventies and even the eighties. But, My point is, man, let's learn. I want to teach these people how to really fight, 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 fight. So you, you, you're not going to lose, you know, um, I, 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 and I just, I just, you know, it's just, it's, it's fallen by the wayside, man. It it just seems to be, I'm not saying there's no schools out there. I'm just saying, generally speaking, it's, it's, it's not that, um, but no, uh, you got to keep, you know, keep your wits about you. I can tell you now, like I said, the one guy that got shot to death was 59 years old, okay? So people that want to kill you or hurt, bring harm to you, they don't care if you're handicapped. They don't care how old you are. They don't care if you're a woman. They don't care if you're a child. If they want to take you out, they're going to do it, okay? They're going to try to do it, and, and you're, you just don't let them be successful, you know? it's And it could happen to me. I could get plugged right away. I mean, it, it, it just, if it happens, it happens. You know, but I, I've taken steps to prepare myself.
2: Yeah, it happens to a lot of people that don't see it coming. But, Tony, so let's close out by um, mentioning a little bit about your plans for the future seminars. I know we might not have all this specific, but let's just we do. put that out there. Oh, We do. We're it. going Even to better. have the
1: next, yes, the next two seminars, January 21st at, uh, oh, where are you? Oh, you're, I'm, you, there you I'm are. still here. I'm still here. You're good had yeah, January 21st at Bender's Martial Arts and Fitness uh, in Andersonville. Um, that's the north side of Chicago from 1.30 to 3.30. And the following day, January 22nd at DuPage Krav Maga from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. So 10 a.m. to noon. So the 21st and the 22nd of January. Um, and I really do hope to see a bunch of you people down there. It would be great uh and it's always a blast normally joe and uh martin go to the uh seminar on saturday uh and uh chuck may who was a guest on our show he's a retired police officer he runs the DuPage crowd magas school he's always there on sundays so you'd be amongst friends for sure and outside of that i want to thank you for subbing in for the legendary joe uh cardinal um but yeah, hopefully France I, will give him back for next week. Well if not, hey, it's you know, it's our gain really. Um, but no, thank you everybody for watching or listening, and'll uh, we'll, we'll see you for sure next week. Thank you again, Martin. You bet..